Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to Northwest, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Career Services Assistant Director Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our show is... Hi, I'm Jana Duvall. I'm an elementary education major here at Northwest, and I'm also a career ambassador for career services. Welcome. Uh, <laughs> As welcome, the AirPods Jana, fly welcome. out, that happens. <laughs> uh, that's what happens. It's spring semester. It's the middle of winter here. Right. Um, Just kick so, it under the know. table. Yeah, right. that's right. As long as you can still hear us, that's what matters. <laughs> oh, well, welcome, Jana. <laughs> yes. Well, we are so glad to have you on the podcast. Yes. Yeah, sorry, yeah. And we're, we're glad to have you here as a career ambassador. Absolutely. If you could... Uh, give us just a little bit of background about you, where you come from, how you found Northwest, and how you found career services. So I'm originally from Kansas City, uh, a suburb of Kansas City, Liberty, in Missouri. Um, I grew up there. I went to high school at Liberty High School, and I also attended the Platte County or NCC Northland Career Center in Platte City. I've always wanted to go to Northwest. My aunt and uncle actually met here and got married after they went to Northwest. Um, and I, my godparents are here. My godmother works in the admin building um, in the Office of Student Affairs. So I have a connection there as well. Shout her out. Who is it? Rhonda Sigmund. Rhonda. If she's nice. listening, I love her to death. And her daughter went here as well. So I know her daughter very well. She's my god sister and she's amazing. Everyone, I love that whole family. Well, shout out to them. So coming to Northwest, I needed a job on campus and I immediately went to the student employment page, on the career services website, and I found that they were hiring for an internship. So I immediately applied for it. It sounded like something fun. It was project-based learning and that's one of the best ways I feel I learn. So I applied for it just on a whim. I had really no experience with what the internship entailed, but I was like, mm, I can do this. So I applied for that, and it turned out I actually had experience with what it was after I interviewed for it. I had a little bit of background. I was a member of Skills USA for two years in high school, which is a professional development program where we learn leadership skills and like job-specific skills. So I kind of specialized in resume building when it came to that. I did a lot of leadership contests, so I had to record or like make my own resumes, and then I had to record different things regarding my resumes. I did um, job interview contest. I went and represented Missouri at the national contest in June this past year, which was a real big experience. I also represented Missouri in American Spirit at nationals the year before that. So I had a lot of experience with resume building and career services fit. And so I applied for a career ambassador at the end of the semester last year. And here I am. <laughs> I haven't really done much else. Yeah, those PBL internships, I think that's one of those things that we don't talk about a lot on campus and they're relatively new, but through the career services office, we have those. Yours was specifically working in the career closet. So mm -hmm. we had just moved. So you kind of got the career closet at a rough time and we really appreciate your work last semester on that. And so excited to have you as a career ambassador now. So you talk about interviewing at the national level for Missouri, right? So mm -hmm. walk me through what that looks like. What was your preparation? What actually happened during the contest and maybe what you learned from that? To get to nationals for me was a two-year process. Not everyone has that same process. Um, so you start off just preparing in your in-house contest. So for SkillsUSA, there's different chapters. You have in-house, which is just your career center. 
And then you have, um, or we call it local. Some people call it local. Then you have your district. So I was in the Northwest District of Missouri. So that included Maryville Career Center, a bunch of other ones. I think Cameron was one of them. And just all of the schools in Northwest Missouri, those were schools we went to districts and competed against them. And then if you place in top three, you move on to state. And then state is everyone, the top three in the state. So then you compete there. And then the gold medal first place winners move on to nationals and represent your state at the contest. So my junior year, I started, I was told that I'd be really good at it based on my interview to get into the career center. So you start by building a resume. You look at the skills USA. They give you um, like requirements and descriptions of each contest. And it tells you exactly what they want to see on your resume. So I went through and I built my resume around that curriculum. And I learned that they have a framework of 17 essential elements for employability. So I went through and like found those keywords and put that on there. And then at the local level, I interviewed with people from my school that didn't know me, but I interviewed with them. And then after I placed there, I think I got first my junior year in-house. And then I went to local, I placed second. And I interviewed with people within the district, again, that they didn't really know me. And then I went to state and I think I got fourth in the state my junior year. So then my journey was done for the year, but I learned the theme for the next year. We have a theme for each year also, and that can help guide your interview questions. So like, give me an example of that theme. The theme for my junior year was United as One. It was right after COVID hit, and it was actually the first in-person state conference since 2020. So in 2021, I believe is when it was, that was like a big deal. It was huge for all of us. And then last year, our theme was, I don't remember what our theme was. It was good. It was a very good follow-up theme, though. And then we have it get a new theme every year, and that's what all your contests are based off of. Um, But our theme last year, I based everything off of that. I went and competed in several contests in-house. And then you have to choose what you want to compete in. So I did prepared speech, a job skill demonstration, and job interview. So I built my resume again. I revised it based on the theme, and I had gained some new skills and new employment. Um, And so I was able to put that on my resume. And also the fact that I went to nationals the year before as a stand-in for American Spirit, Um, I was able to put that in SkillsUSA. People love seeing that you went to nationals and then come back. So I built my resume, did in-house, got first, and then I went to locals and I got second or third. And then I went to state and I was really nervous for state because it was my senior year. It was my last chance to compete ever. And I talked to them and I actually got a job offer during the fake interview. He's like, come back to Lynn, Missouri, if you ever want a job. And so I felt really good walking away from that interview. I had prepared for months at that point. I did several practice interviews with my instructor, with the director of my career center. I went all in that year. And then after you place first, you have from February to June to prepare in any way that you want, but you have to have proof of preparation. So that way then the state will pay your $200 entry fee. So I did my preparation. I did two mock interviews in Platte County. And then I did an interview for an award for my career center. So I counted that as practice. And then I went to Fort Osage School District and interviewed with the director of human resources. My dad's the director at the career center there. So he had a connection. So I interviewed with her. And then I went to nationals in June. And I don't know what I placed. I was too upset to look at the placements. I did not place at the national level. I think I got 
ninth or 10th is what I was told, which is still pretty good out of Pretty 90 good. people. Yeah. 10th <laughs> place is not that bad. And I was okay with that. So it's just lots of preparation. You build a resume. I have eight resumes from SkillsUSA just for interviews. It's a very big process, but it's a lot of fun. And you get a lot of good practice on what employers want to see, what they don't want to see. You learn what, how to talk about your resume versus just handing it to them. And you find the talking points. It was good practice and really good for me to get that practice for job skills. And like coming in and interviewing for career services, I was able to like talk about my resume rather than just talking at it and just using it. I use it as a guide rather than hitting every point on it. And yeah, practically, you probably have more experience than some of our students who are graduating <laughs> from college. I mean, honestly, that's a lot of a lot of different scenarios you had to go through. So that's, that's a huge yeah. accumulation of experience to get you comfortable. Because yeah. really interviewing is what, what we tell students is it's really just comfortable. You know, you just need to be comfortable talking about yourself yeah. to not be afraid to talk. And then once you've got yeah. that, the rest is pretty easy because you're just talking about yourself. So you've had lots of chances to get comfortable with it. So when you go to do it yes. for a job or an internship or whatever, you're going to be ready to go, which we definitely saw. And that's why we hired you. I have a thought here and maybe I haven't done well at expressing this before, but really what you have to learn, and you can tell me I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing from you is you learn to talk about yourself. You have to learn to think about yourself in a non-self-conscious way. So you yes. have to say like, here is Hannah. Here are all of her great skills and qualities, right? Like you have to separate in many ways your identity or your self-consciousness from the way that you talk about yourself in relationship to that position or that job, which is really hard to do. I mean, we help all kinds of people from high-level professionals to students, and we still struggle to do that for ourselves. It's hard. It is very difficult. And I love that you are talking about how much you practiced. Can you tell me a little bit, how did you prepare for those mock interviews? Did you did you ask yourself questions? How, how did you approach that? I first had my dad give me a list of interview questions that he asks his teachers when he's hiring them. So I started with, we also do, I forgot to mention this, at the Career Center, you are required to do a mock interview each year that you're there. And I got like a list of questions that when you get hired at Platte County, when you interview for Platte County, this is what they're going to ask you. So the first thing I did is I looked up different questions, just common interview questions. And then I would sit down with my dad and I would answer them with him. And then sometimes I answered them in the mirror. Like I would sit with it at the mirror and I would talk to myself and prepare with how I wanted to. I also found myself at night writing down answers like in my notes app. I'd be like, oh, that's great. Like this is a weakness, but here's how it's a strength. And I would do that. Let's see. And then I also sat down before every mock interview. I looked up the person. I always got their name first and their position title. And then I would think of questions for the interviewer. And I was able to keep a huge list of those. And then I could just broaden those a little bit to ask at the contest because you're not really asked about a specific job at your contest. Like it's so broad. They're just general interview questions. And I was always told that it's not an interview if you don't have questions for them. So I always made a list for interview questions. And the most common one, what's the community like? I always asked, like, if it would, I knew I was interviewing someone in education. I asked them the student to teacher ratio. I would ask them about, like, what's the staff to student ratio? If I could think of a way to broaden those questions, I would. 
So that's really, I mean, that's about all I did. I asked myself questions, had someone else ask me questions, research. It seems so simple, but it really, it was a lot of months of preparation and like going through practicing, but it was good. Like it was good practice and I needed it. And those are skills that I can take with me now. Um, I interviewed for an RA position here too. And I lost my mind because I didn't have questions prepared for the interviewer. And so I remember like writing all of them down right before my interview. And I was told that that was pointless. And I was like, no, that's not pointless. So it's like, I asked Travis questions before I got hired and I got hired at career services. So that's, I'm not sure if there's a correlation there, but that's how it worked. And I won national or one state by asking questions. I felt like that was the most important thing was just figuring out questions to ask the interviewer. And I think the reaching out before an interview, like there's something to be said for that, just because it's such a rare thing that when somebody does reach out and says, you know, Hey, I have a couple questions before we come before I come in. Like you do remember that when you're in the room with somebody and it's mm -hmm. because it's, it's, it's like a phone call follow up to say yeah. thank you or something. It's such a rare thing that you do remember the people that do it. So it does make a difference. And, and yeah, you mentioned, you know, that it seems simple, but it's long, it's a simple process, but it is still a process. So you've kind of got to go through those steps. And I think that's where we see students won't, they won't put the time in, you know, it doesn't take a huge amount of time, but it does take some time. And if you won't, if you don't actually do it, then you suffer because of it, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you, it's investing the time, not really, yeah. you know, if you don't have the time to put in, you're going to really have a hard time afterwards. So I think right. all of those experiences have definitely helped. Yes, so your sure. elementary ed. So tell mm -hmm. us what, what's the plan when you get out of here? Do you want to be a teacher in an elementary school? You know, what's the job hope when you're done with this? So my plan, I have a whole plan already. So I want to be an elementary teacher. I want to teach third or fourth grade, probably. That's kind of my sweet spot that I found through all of my experience in teaching from my junior year on. I found third or fourth grade is my sweet spot. And then I'm planning on eventually going back and being able to teach at a career center. I loved being at the career center and I want to get back into career technical education. And I feel like being able to teach students to do what they want to do in the future early on. My teachers were so amazing. I actually just texted her yesterday and just was like, thank you for everything that you did for me. I want to be able to be that person and to prepare someone for college and be like, here, you have 400 hours of teaching experience. Go to college. You can do it. I want to be able to do that. And then eventually be a director at a career center. So the end goal is career technical education, but you don't need a special degree for that, but you do need teaching experience to do that. Word. <laughs> don't need a special degree. Have no, no you I don't. have three special degrees, but that helped me zero percent. I mean, if I want to raise, I should probably go get a special degree. But I mean, my goal masters is really what I want. But if I want to be an administrator, I think I have to have an ed specialist degree, I think, is how it you goes to the career center. So I would have to go back and get my specialist. But that's little plug, little road. plug here. Northwest has some of the highest rated specialist degrees in the country. Affordable Don't worry. I'll be back. online. I'm not going anywhere affordable else. online and amazing. <laughs> there are some amazing educators here at Northwest and they just they blow everyone else out of the water. So love, we're glad that you're here. here. I'll be back. Don't worry. I'm not leaving ever. <laughs> so talk to me about the career closet. You were an intern there for the yes. fall semester. Um, just give me the lowdown, the basics. What did you learn? Oh, so much. I learned so much about, first of all, being independent and like being a self-starter, which doesn't seem, that seems weird to say, 
But like I had to be able to just start when I got there. I really had no guidance other than, sorry, (laughs) we just moved. And like, that's not a bad thing at all because it gave me freedom. It gave me creative freedom on what I wanted to do. So basically an overview of what I did was I was down there. I sorted all the clothes and then I ran the career closet when students needed professional dress. I helped them. I built several outfits for several students and was like, you look great. Go, go kill it, girl. You got it. And so I was able to do that. I was also in charge of tracking the data of how many students came and to make sure we had data on, is it working? Is it not working? And there were definitely dry spells that I noticed from that being down there. But there was also things that I noticed that like, oh, it's um, there's a mock interview day for career services in three days. And I just had 20 people walk in. Like, so there's those things. People didn't necessarily know we were there. We're kind of hidden in the station where we are. But when people knew we were there, like they came back, the same people came back multiple times. I loved being able to sort the clothes. I got to do like whatever I wanted. It ended up getting a little bit messy because we had a lot of donations come in. But I was able to do like small to large for women's or like small, I think it was small to three or four XL. We had a wide range of um, sizes. And then for men, the same thing. And I, we had lots of ties. There was a lot of stuff and it was kind of hard at first. The first couple weeks was rough with sorting everything. There was a lot of clothes to sort through, but I was also given the freedom of if it's not going to be worn, get rid of it, donate it to someone who will use it. So I was able to do that. It was really good to be able to like be creative for a couple hours and have that break from using your brain a lot. And you could just sit and organize, listen to your music. I got to play whatever music I wanted down there and it was the best thing ever and just sort and do everything. It was, it was good. I loved being in the career closet, but I think I like being in the office more. It's more social. You don't have to talk to the bugs or that you see outside or, you know, the people that go in and out of the elevator a lot. But it was good. I loved being at the career closet. I don't know if that answered your question. If you need more information, I got it. But yeah, that was perfect. I was going to say, not to re-circuit this back to the interviewing thing, but, you know, one of the things that I've learned in doing this podcast on Zoom is that Zoom honestly is like the perfect tool for practicing because when you're answering questions, even so in this situation, we're talking to each other on zoom. Mm -hmm. But if I had someone sitting here, I think this is how I'd prepare, right? I'm making this up as I go. So the next time I have an interview, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to set up a person to ask me the questions and I'm going to set up my Zoom camera so that mm-hmm. it's, you know, whatever. I have my continuity camera that took me 15 yeah. minutes to set up here. Thank you, yeah. Travis. And <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to look at the person, but I'm going to have my camera set up so that it's videoing me. And then I'm going to rewatch game film, right? Just like the football mm-hmm. players, just like the basketball players. you got to watch the tape because yeah. we all... And we know, and if you watch the clip show in season one, Travis makes fun of me, but I banged on the desk and said, gotcha, 50 bazillion times through the first two seasons. You learn so much when you have to watch yourself in your own communication patterns and you, you gain so much, I don't know what to call it, like tacit information. Mm -hmm. You would never, there's no other way. Like somebody could tell me like you have this weird twitchy thing or you keep hitting on the table 
in radio, I did radio for years before I, I worked at the university. And that's one of the things when you're a student, they tell you to do is to listen to yourself. You do air checks when you're mm -hmm. on the air, but then also like now you can use your phone and record yourself and then listen to it back because you don't notice. I say, um, all the time or like, or people or dude is one that I hear all the time on the campus radio station. People say, dude, dude and like oh, are the two I that say I notice the most. Bro yeah. And you, you don't know yep. you do it until you hear it. And then when you hear it, <laughs> you stop doing it and you see quick. yourself and you're like oh my god i can't i was so ashamed that i kept saying gotcha all the time like yep. <laughs> and also in this very like mm, gotcha like very mm -hmm. like radio yes. show host sort of way and yes. it took me a couple seasons so that was like a year or like a year and a half to break that habit of saying the same things over and over again because i got lost in the interview or also and this this is more relevant to our podcast but also I'm going to hijack it because I don't know why, but asking Travis and I were having the conversation like, oh, when we do the podcast, we ask questions that are more professionally oriented. It's a career focused podcast. But the truth is, if you keep yourself, which as you go back, if you watch the first two seasons, we followed a pretty prescribed manner of asking questions, mm -hmm. but you also miss out on those little nuggets of juicy goodness when you just follow the prescribed answers yes. or you just answer in a systematic way. So you have to have practiced enough to be authentic, if that makes sense. So you yeah. have to have said, you have to have given your answer so that you can break through the film of having just a practiced answer so that you can genuinely know what you're talking about, but also then be willing to be real with your interviewers. And that I think is, is the key reason to practice also nerves. You just mm -hmm. never know what you're going to do when you're nervous. But to go back to yeah. my main point, Zoom is an amazing tool for that. It is. No, it is. And the judges, I think I forgot to mention this. They do give you written feedback on everything that you do. The biggest thing that I was told is that you use your hands too much. But then the next judge told me you didn't use your hands enough. So that's where it comes down to personal opinion. So I learned you have to practice being a robot without sounding like a robot. Because there some questions, there is a right answer. But is it the right answer that your interviewer wants to hear? Like, it all depends on your audience. And that is what is so hard about interviews. And what is so stressful is that you walk in, and especially with the contest, you don't know who you are going to interview with. You don't know if they're going to be teachers. Are they going to be police officers? Are they going to be firefighters? Like, who are they going to be? That was the hardest thing is I didn't get to know my audience ahead of time. So I practiced being a robot for a teacher. I didn't know how to do it for anyone else, but Zoom is, yes, back to your point, Zoom is a good tool because it shifts too. Like I'm looking at Hannah, but then I'll look at Travis and I can make eye contact with you guys without getting distracted by everything else in the room. Like it just works. It's a good tool. One thing I'm really excited about for you in the future, Jana, is students and people who are good at being interviewed become really good interviewers when you, and it's, that's the best way to get better at being an interviewee is to do a couple interviews. So I'm excited to see you on the other side of the table, asking the questions, because I really think you're going to have a, a knack for that because you have so much experience being the person who's being interviewed and who's had to do all the prep that transition, I think, and for what you want to do, you're going to be doing that. And I'm really excited to see that, that kind of job. I'm going to interview people switch on flip for you. Now. Yeah. There you go. I love yeah, it. You can host season six, perhaps. <laughs> so, 
So I know you're only a freshman. What advice do you have for students maybe who are who are really nervous about interviews or who are overwhelmed by the idea of resumes? You have a lot of experience with both. You know, I know you're a younger student, but you definitely have a, a mountain of experience to draw from. What experience or what advice would you have for students who maybe don't have that kind of experience and are scared by both those things? Biggest thing is templates. Use a resume template if you don't use one it game over. You're done. You can't just build one. It's such a scary task to have to build your own resume. And I was lucky enough, I was given a template right away. This is how SkillsUSA wants it done. Your name goes here, your email goes here, your phone number goes here, and here's what they want to see. Find a template. I know you guys pay for WiseDoc. So if you guys need WiseDoc and you go to the university, use that. Or you can just find one online. Google Docs has plenty of resume templates. Canva has them. Use a template to start off with and then build off of that. And like, I'm always, I mean, if students come in, I will automatically show them mine and say like, this is how I have mine set up. Now, what can we do for you? Like, what's your personality like? What will work best for you? Mine is definitely boring and I'm not a boring person, but when it comes to resume, I feel like there's a lot of information on mine that is a necessity. Having a fun, pretty one doesn't always work. So use a template. And when it comes to interviewing, practice is always the best thing is to practice, find those questions, research the most ask interview questions. And then think of an answer. You need to practice answering on the spot too. Because in an interview, you have time to think, but the longer you wait, the less interested your interviewer becomes. And they're like, okay, you took two minutes to think of your answer. They want to know if you know it or if you don't know it. Can you tell me what animal you would be and why? I can tell you exactly what animal I would be and why, because I've thought about that. Like that was a question I actually prepared for. I looked up the most weird in interview questions as well. My mom got asked a question, if you could be a kitchen utensil, what would you be? And she had to think of that on the spot. She was like, I don't know, a fork? And I was like, that's the wrong answer. It's a spoon. But there's, there is a right answer to that one. But like things like that, practice your answers, practice thinking on your feet. And then the third thing is just get comfortable with yourself. I know it's hard and it's so awkward to be like, you have to almost be so awkward that you don't care. But it's not awkward. Interviewing is not an awkward thing. But like you have to feel so uncomfortable with yourself that you can just put it all out there with someone, which sounds backwards, but I swear it works. If you figure out all of your flaws, you can put those out there, but flip them into your strengths. Like make sure you find a way that if you have really bad time management, how can you make that a strength? Like yeah, I really have bad time management, but I think on my feet really quickly, which allows me to do several little tasks in this amount of time versus one big task in this short amount of time, finding ways to do that. I think those are the biggest tips I would give to anyone. Oh, and stay organized. Just organize your thoughts, write them down in a notebook, have your questions ready in a notebook, bring a portfolio with you. Or even if it's just like, I don't know, even if it feels a sticky note with questions on it, have something with questions and something to take notes on because interviewers want to see you taking notes on the information that they give you. And they want you to ask them questions for sure. One quick strategy that I never really think about, but I use all the time and I never tell people because it just seems so obvious to me, but you can Google interview questions for XYZ positions, mm-hmm. Energy, interview questions for data analyst or whatever, mm-hmm. for example, and go through and find, you know, you look up five or 10 different websites, you can get a list of 10 questions. Probably they're going to be pretty specific to the data analyst position. 
And then when you look at those questions, then you go back and you think through the situation-based questions. Where have I used this skill before in the past? And if you pre-think through all of those stories and you just, I just like, oh, remember when this happened? Remember when this happened? And mm -hmm. kind of keep track of those stories. I don't have, I'm not thinking about situational-based questions from scratch. Right. I've already yeah. like preloaded those in my memory. So I have mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't have just two. So I keep referring to the same thing, but I have like six of them. So, you know, they're fresh, but they're also not, they're top of mind. I haven't got them buried deep in my psyche. You want to make sure you have an anecdote. Yes. If you have an anecdote, something you can relate it back to, that's even better because they will ask you situation questions. What would you do if this happens? And if you can remember like, oh, that actually happened to me when I was six. Like, this is what I did. I was only six, but I did this. And like, or you can find a way to think of something. Well, this happened to my friend. This is what she did. But here's how I would have handled it differently. Like, if you have an anecdote, that is so amazing. And interviewers will eat that up. They love whenever you can relate it back to your personal life rather than just your professional life. Like, Personal stories don't get too personal. But if you have a personal story about, oh, I was dealing with this in my personal life and here's how I handled it, that is so good. Like that is what interviewers want. They want to hear you for you. They don't want to hear about Billy down the street. They want to hear about you and your personality and how you would do it. And they remember that. Mm -hmm. Like yes. if you tell a good story, uh, you know, that connects that well. That they remember stories. They don't remember generic yes. answers. They don't remember your philosophy on something. They remember when you had some strange occurrence and you dealt with it in a, a unique mm -hmm. way. Whenever I interviewed for my RA position, they remembered me because I was the only one that asked questions. I was the only person who came in with questions ready to be asked. And my RD now, that's how he like remembered me. He's like, you were the only one that had questions and you still had questions after you got hired. Like I had a list of questions for pre-hiring and then after you get hired, here's my other questions. Like I had those ready and that was how I was remembered. There's the girl with questions. Like you want to be memorable to your interviewer. You want them to see you and see your face and remember that story and remember you as like the best. You want to be the best. Okay. So I have this, bur this is a burning question. I have a couple okay. burning questions. I'm sorry. She's got class at 3.30, okay. I, have, I think. So we oh. don't have a you huge amount of time. You have class at 3.30? It'll be okay. It's like the first day. It's just syllabus you, stuff. You can it. just answer my one burning question and then we can go. Okay. Why do so many people, why are so many people ghosting these days? Ghosting? Like I call you for an interview and you just don't respond or I schedule you for an interview and you don't show up. This is not an excuse at all, but I'm going to say it. And I know by your face, you know exactly what I'm about to say. That stupid pandemic has ruined my generation because we were not held accountable when I was in high school for my assignments. It was virtual learning, but it was optional. You didn't have to go to the Zoom meetings. You didn't have to turn in the assignments. They were all worth zero points. Why do it? So that's the biggest thing is COVID definitely affected some people's development and work ethic. I mean, truly, I don't even know. I grew up based on my dad's a police officer and my mom works in early childhood. I was always taught that you need to have a good work ethic. And I have stuck to that. I have held it. I hold myself accountable for everything. But then I have a friend who she is now like she's in college now and her parents like still pay for everything. They're buying her an apartment. 
like later on this year is what I was told. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Like you have a job, go pay for your own apartment. And I'm not trying to diss anyone, but I am saying that like COVID has definitely ruined our work ethic and ruined people and their responsibility for their own responsibilities. Like you need to hold yourself responsible and you need to be an adult. That is my answer. That is my personal opinion. If you don't agree with it, that's okay. We don't have to be friends. I understand. I understand. I'm not cool. I'm not that I, you don't have to be friends with me, but I think that people just need to learn how to have a good work ethic and need to learn to communicate. If you communicate, you must answer that email back. Now, I know I have six unread emails right now and I need to answer all of them, but answer your emails, answer your phone calls. If someone says like, hey, we we want to set up an interview, great, respond as soon as you see that. I don't know about you, but if I get told I've got chose to go interview for a job, I'm going to respond right away because I don't want to lose that opportunity. The longer it sits in your inbox, the less likely they are to respond and they can tell you, oh, sorry, we chose to interview someone else. Just be responsible, have a good work ethic. Most people don't have that, I feel like. Now, there, there are the people that do, and then I respect those people. If you don't have a good work ethic, I'm sorry, I don't have any respect for you. I don't. I can't. Nope. Well, the good news with that is it gives you an opportunity to stand out among your peers because you weren't yes. ruined by COVID, and you, you do respond, and you do have that work ethic. Right. So it's a good opportunity for the folks that, that still do to stand out even more than maybe they would have before. And definitely not everyone was affected in that same way. Everyone was affected differently. But I think that's the biggest thing is that the pandemic hit at least in a pivotal time for my generation. We are freshmen, sophomore in high school. And that was kind of those pivotal years where you start to learn how to be an adult. And they start holding you accountable for those things. And I think that was something we lost two years of learning that. And I think that's something that's really important to remember and something that everyone should always be working on. Like even if you are 75 years old, you should still work on it and work on having a good work ethic. Like, I just feel like that's something we can always improve on and always have more to learn with. Excellent. Well, we appreciate your work ethic and I don't want you to miss class because I don't want to get in trouble with your professor. <laughs> yes, so thank you so much for being with here. us. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm just talking about work ethic. I'm like, it's just, right. <laughs> it's just a class. <laughs> just one class. It's on time to everything else today. If you would like to have more of this conversation with Jana, come see her in the Career Services Office in Admin 130. Uh, and that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat. And we will talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.